You're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl Podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl Podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that it's been quite some time since I've been on the podcast, but I wanted to jump back on. I've been trickling out episodes at a snail pace the last few months. Like all of you listening, my life has been disrupted by COVID-19, and I haven't been able to be on the blog as much as I normally do. My kids have been home with me since March. I'm a stay-at-home mom with three kids age 11 and under. I normally just take summers off because it's too hard logistically to publish when they're home with me, but because I haven't been able to publish as much as normal because I've been homeschooling them and they've been home with me. I have been praying lately about whether or not I should continue on with publishing. And there was a series I started several months ago, Joy in the Midst of Suffering, and just asking God, you know, am I really done with this series? Do I need to move on? Do I need to take a break? You know what? And I've really been feeling there's more to add. So I'm jumping back on here, even though I normally am not on the podcast in the summer. And I want to just continue on at God's leading publishing. And if anything changes, then I'll let you know. When I started the series, I had no idea that there was going to be a pandemic, but I started the series Joy in the Midst of Suffering. And really the gist of the series has been that trials can be used to refine and mold us by God, that we can experience trials for a whole lot of reasons. I want to be really clear on that. A lot of people may think that God is punishing them by trials or that God hates them, and that's why he's sending trials their way. But as believers, whatever punishment we deserve was taken by Jesus on the cross. And while God can discipline us at times, or while he can orchestrate trials at times, because he lovingly wants to show us or reveal something to us in our lives, we don't always experience trials because of God's discipline or because he's trying to teach us something. We can experience trials because we live in a fallen world, because there is sinful people around us, that we can get sick because sin entered the world with Adam and Eve, that we have an enemy, Satan, who is actively working against us. We can experience trials because he's sending things in our way. And so those can be other reasons. There are a lot of reasons we can experience trials, but all trials are under the sovereignty of God. And it says in scripture that God can use all the things in our life, even the things we don't love for our good if we simply allow him to do so. I want to talk to you tonight in this episode, or today I should say, I'm I'm recording this in the morning, but injustice and really injustice, what hope we can have when we're experiencing mistreatment. We can experience injustice for a lot of reasons, but When we're being mistreated by someone else, it's a kind of suffering that can really cause us to be extremely discouraged and even fall into depression and despair because the very distressing element of injustice is that the mistreatment often happens to people who have no power in a situation. Let me just give you the definition of injustice. It's a situation where there is no fairness, where people are experiencing inequity or mistreatment at the hands of someone else. And it can be a societal institution that is perhaps 
corrupt and citizens attempt to speak out or enact change, they might be silenced. Citizens may be forced to live in unjust circumstances without the power to change the laws. Similarly, in a relationship, a person can experience injustice. A parent or a spouse can mistreat a person. The spouse may not have a say in certain aspects of the relationship. We can experience injustice in a job situation. A boss may not lead in a right manner, may be cruel or unfair, and employees may be fearful to speak up because they're afraid to lose their job or afraid of being treated differently by the, the boss if they speak up. So they suffer in silence. So there can be a lot of reasons that we can experience injustice. But in those situations, we can often just experience hopelessness and despair because we are unable to get ourselves out of that situation and don't really see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We might be tempted in those situations to numb our pain with a substance or distract ourselves with social media, a hobby, or other distraction. But we do, in fact, have a place we can turn. And while we may feel that God is indifferent to our suffering, the Bible describes God as one who cares deeply about us and rescues those who cry out to him. Psalm 120 says this, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom brush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The author of this psalm is unknown, but the author is suffering from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. We don't know the person speaking out lies against him or being dishonest, but the particular injustice he's suffering is some kind of slander or dishonesty. The person is mistreating him and being unjust in some way and conflict with this individual or individuals has been going on for an unbearably long time. He says, woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedor. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, I just want to emphasize that what he means here by Meshach and Kedor is that he has long dwelt with people that are hostile. Meshach would have been a Gentile nation located in Asia Minor, northwest of Israel, and Kedor would have been a nation southeast of Israel, and they were descended from Ishmael. So the descendants of Ishmael did not get along with Israelites. We know Isaac and Ishmael, the two brought the um, two sons of Abraham, and what would they be considered? Half brothers. Um, they were not able to get along at all. And eventually Abraham had to send Hagar, um, Ishmael's mother and Ishmael away. And they didn't get along, even their nations, even after Hagar was sent away and, and Ishmael's descendants, they still did not get along with um, the Israelites. So these would have been enemies of the Jews and they would have been hostile to the Jews. And so the psalmist is saying here that he has long dwelled with people that are like his enemies, that he might as well be living in these 
nations because he feels so out of place and so unliked. And these could not only has he could have been talking about people who just mistreat him, maybe people who were ungodly and it was unbearable for him to live among them. But he also could have been talking about fellow Jews who were just hostile to him and weren't really living like they should have been living. Warren Wearsby points out in his commentary, any Jew who feared God and respected the Ten Commandments would not bear false witness against another Jew or seek to slander his or her name. It would be difficult to dwell with these foreign peoples, but it would be even more difficult to dwell with Jewish people who acted like foreigners. So in other words, because the Jews knew covenant laws, they would have known not to slander and mistreat one another. Therefore, if indeed the psalmist was attacked by fellow Jews, the attack would have felt all the more painful because these fellow Jews knew better and it wasn't what he was necessarily expecting. So similarly, we can experience mistreatment by fellow members of the body of Christ. And it can be very painful because what the psalmist is describing is that we sh- we're going to experience opposition and persecution by the world. And we should expect that. But all of us want and need that safe place in our homes, in our churches to help to build us back up and combat what we're going to experience out, out in the world as Christians. And perhaps what the psalmist is saying is that even in his own church or even in his own um, home, that he wasn't able to feel the respect and he wasn't built up by those that should have been building him up, that he was attacked by them or misunderstood. And this was extremely painful because maybe he had no safe place to really feel that he could be. And similarly, if we're being attacked by fellow believers and we're not in the wrong and we just are in a hostile environment that we can really feel that there's no safe place for us to be. So the psalmist has attempted to live peacefully with his attackers, but they create conflicts and difficulties with him no matter what he does. In desperation, he calls on God to save him. His desperate cries to God are those that we can relate to if we are in a situation where we are a target for those around us. So what can the psalmist teach us about holding on to hope in the midst of injustice? There are three points that I want to bring out. And the first is God is our refuge. The psalmist's refuge is the Lord. I want to just look back real quickly at the psalm. The very beginning, he says, I call on the Lord in my distress. And he answers me, save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. So right at the beginning of the psalm, he makes his case to God. There could be so many places that we try to make a refuge. The approval of others, material items, relationships. And yet, our only true refuge is the Lord. While we can certainly rally for change if injustice is being done, we need to draw our strength and support from God and allow him to direct us in the best course of action in our situation. Sometimes the best action is to speak up in a respectful way. Sometimes we do need to confront individuals or a wrong that's being done to us by a company or an institution. But other times God asks us to allow him to fight for us and to remain quiet. No matter the course, we can only know if we turn to God in our distress I was just reading a devotion this week and it was talking about how we can often when we're feeling insecure or vulnerable, those are the times that we can really flee somewhere else for protection 
and even hold up those things kind of as as a badge of our significance. So kind of we can turn to those things when we're in our most insecure state and say, this, this makes me worthy or this makes me important. And after the devotion, there was some comments and a woman was saying in the comments that she was going through a really hard time in her family. And during that time, she began just posting a lot of beautiful, glossy pictures of her family on social media. And it was like, she was creating this life that wasn't even real. And it was just, you know, she was not even really intentionally doing it, but it was just something that was distracting her from what was really going in her life. And it really hit me when I read that and thought, my goodness, you know, that is something that I think we're all sort of tempted to do is turn to something else and really immerse ourselves in it and really make it our refuge. But God wants to be our refuge and and not turn to, to social media in an unhealthy way. And, 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 you know, of course it's okay to be on social media, but to use that as a refuge or to, to go shopping like crazy or to turn to unhealthy eating habits or, you know, really exercise over the top exercising or something, anything that distracts us and numbs our pain, we can use God as our refuge and and not turn to other things in an unhealthy way. The second idea I want to bring that can help us hold on to hope in the midst of injustice is that God hears and answers. When we are in an unjust situation, as I've mentioned earlier, we are often helpless to remove ourselves from it. There may be people in power over us and we don't control what is happening to us. In addition, We might have the situation where no one will even listen or acknowledge what we are going through, yet we have the assurance in the psalm that God hears and God knows when no one else will hear our case or defend us. We have a just God who sees and knows all and takes up the case of the helpless and the oppressed. And that's so wonderful to know that God hears our case because I think so often we think that God doesn't really know what's happening to us or doesn't really care. And the, the reality is God does know, and he does care what is happening to us. He does answer. In our world right now, again, we've had this worldwide pandemic. And then in the US, it seems like we've just had layers upon layers of problems that have cropped up. But recently, of course, in our, in the news, if you turn on the news, we've had rioting, we've had racial tension. And I don't know all the reasons that we've had, you know, all of the tension that we have. Obviously, I can only look at it from what I believe is happening. And perhaps you have a different point of view, but my take of the situation really is that there are people protesting and even rioting who have had genuine injustices. They have experienced mistreatment. That there are, even with all the strides we've made in our society in America, that they there are still exist injustices and that they have experienced legitimate injustices. And there are those that have peacefully protested, that have gone sort of the right way about it. And then there are those that have gone the wrong way and, and been looting stores and been violent to two police officers and they've taken what has happened to them and justified wrong actions. And 
Also, I believe that there are some in the mix that perhaps have a different agenda altogether. They don't want government or they don't want our government. And they've been using this situation as a platform for, for their own agenda. And again, we can have different views on this. I normally don't get very political on the blog just because I don't want to to alienate listeners. And I believe that we can have some different points of view within what's happening. But I mention this just because I, I believe that some people perhaps that have been writing have been driven to desperation because they feel like no one hears them or no one is listening. No one understands where they're coming from. And so perhaps some of them who are doing, going to the, the extreme measures and looting that, or even attempting to, to do what they're doing in the wrong way that they believe they have no other choice. And yet within our society, we do have the, the right means and, and ways that you can get your message heard and get it across. And my own take again on the situation is not that everything needs to be completely abolished, but that the pockets, the, the injustices that remain need to be addressed, but not necessarily that everything needs to be bulldozed down and that, but I do believe that there are people who there is this desperation. They want to be heard. And it tells us in scripture that even if no one listens to us or that even an institution is deaf to our cries, that God hears and that he comes to the, the aid of the, that he takes up the case of the helpless and the oppressed The third point I want to bring about is recompense will come to those who slander us within all of us. And this ties in what I've, with what I've been saying, but with the rioting that's been going on in our country, but within all of us is a need for there to be justice done for right to be wrong. We want those who hurt us to pay for the hurt they have caused us. And we might feel like nothing will happen to those who wrong us that can easily make us want to take matters into our own hands, but we don't need to do that when the arrows of slander come our way and we have no way to defend ourselves, we are promised that God will take our cause. So what is the recompense of those who slander others? The psalmist asked this question within the psalm saying, what will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He then answers it saying, slanders will receive sharp arrows and burning coals of the broom brush from the Almighty. And I want to just point out the broom brush or juniper bush was a bush that burned for a long time with extremely hot coals. So in fact, one commentary I read mentioned stories of travelers burning this brush in their fires and returning a year later to find the ember still burning. Now, this most likely was an exaggeration, but it was meant to show that the juniper bush would burn for an extremely long time and the coals were very hot. So what this passage is saying is that by pointing out the the arrows and the burning coals. It's telling us that those who hurt us will not just get away with us with it. I think that's all of our fear or our worry is that we're just going to be completely beaten down in our situation and no one will come to our aid. And the people who are hurting us are just going to get away with it. What it's telling us in this passage is that the people who slander us, that hurt us will receive due compensation for their wrongdoing It may not happen immediately. We may not even see it happen, but their harsh words will come back upon them and they will feel the burning torment of the same type or even worse that they have hurled on innocent victims. 
So we have that reassurance. I want to just wrap up by telling a story of a time when I experienced injustice in a job situation and God came to my aid. When I was in college, I worked at a store and when I first started working there, the job environment was very positive. It was great. I enjoyed going to work. I liked who I worked with. We had great customers. We were a very busy store. So we were, it was constantly bustling and constantly things going on there. But the manager was good and everything was great. And slowly over time, things began to decline with the manager, where the manager was irritable, would explode over small things if you're, you were a few cents short on your cash register one night or something, he would explode. Or if a task was left undone in a closing for a night, he would explode and things really began to decline. And there was one situation where I came in and I should say too, before this, that not only was this manager very irritable, but he would also leave during shifts where he was supposed to be working. He would just leave and he would leave us with not enough employees to even meet the customer demand. I would often have to train people when we didn't have enough employees on the floor. And I just felt like he left us out to dry and he would pop in, you know, throughout the day to check on us, but he was supposed to be working and he wasn't. And things came to a head where one day he wa- I walked in for a shift and he began accusing me of, of moving a table in the store. And I hadn't moved the table. And I had no idea what he was even talking about. And he was just kind of losing it over this table. And everybody was just watching what was going on. And he was kind of addressing all of us and asking who moved this table. And come to find out it was actually the district manager who had come in and rearranged some furniture and hadn't. I guess mention it to him or maybe he hadn't seen the email, but he thought it was one of us. And at that point, I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to work with that manager any longer. And I didn't want to work in unreasonable circumstances like that. And so I just didn't know really what to do. And I remember going to church and somehow through the course of the service, I don't remember if the sermon was addressed on this topic of you know, of people who are experiencing injustice or if the altar call, the pastor said something during the altar call, but the pastor said something within the course of the service about there are some of you who need a rescue and God's going to send it. And I remember getting prayer at the altar and feeling so encouraged, but I, I didn't know what time frame that God would be coming to my aid. And it was kind of, again, a little hard for me to believe God's really going to do something here within two weeks. I want to say of the service. Our manager was removed by a corporate and they discovered he was involved in a lot of unethical practices and discovered how he'd been sort of acting. And there was more to it than even we were, had knowledge of. And so he was removed. Our assistant manager became the manager and the situation really improved and all the, the injustice we were experiencing went away. But that was really my I think one of the major experiences I can look back on in my faith walk and say, oh my goodness, you know, God came through for me and just marvel that he changed around a situation. And there are other situations I can say I was experiencing oppression 
and God came through for me. So that is an encouragement for me as I look at current situations where I'm thinking, you know, is God really going to step in here? Or I'm fearful that he is and I can look back and say, no, he has for me in the past. He, he will do it again. Our reaction to injustice that has long happened to us and gone unchecked is that God does not care and will not act. But we are assured of the opposite in this psalm. While there are often situations that we are called on to act and stand up for ourselves, there are some situations where we cannot do anything to our oppressor or appeal to anyone else to help. As Charles Spurgeon points out in his discussion of this verse, often others' own sense of justice is so skewed, hence why they are treating us the, the way they are. And what he's really saying there is that, you know, what's so frustrating is that we try to appeal sometimes to the person who's mistreating us and they don't even see the mistreatment because their own sense of right and wrong has been completely turned upside down. And so it's so frustrating because it's pointless for us to even say anything. In those situations, we have a God we can appeal to. We don't have to take matters in our own hands or succumb to out of control emotions that make the situation worse. We can appeal to a God who will comfort, encourage, strengthen, and defend us. That knowledge can help us move forward when wrong is being done against us and have hope that we won't have to suffer the injustice forever. I want to just pray. Lord, some of us listening are experiencing injustice at this very moment. Lord, there may be people coming against us that are cruel, that are unkind, that are unfair, and that we may have tried to reason with these individuals. We may have tried to remedy our situation. And no matter what we say, they may not listen to us. There may be no end in sight that we see. And Lord, you may have been strengthening us in this situation, but we may be at the point where we can't do it anymore. Where we're saying, Lord, there's enough. Lord, I just pray that you strengthen, encourage those listening who may be experiencing injustice, that Lord, you help them to know the right path in their situation, whether it's to stand up to someone, whether it's to remain quiet and wait on you, whether it's to confront or to write a letter or whatever the means, Lord, that you would help them to know the right path. And that, Lord, if they have maybe taken matters in their own hands or have been tempted to do that, that you would just help them to stop. If there's an apology that needs to be made or there's, you know, wrong actions they have done, Lord, that you would help them to know the right path to remedy those. And that, Lord, you forgive them and you understand. So help them to take the right actions and to confess a need be. Thank you that you love us. You don't leave us to defend ourselves, that you come to our aid, that you don't just leave us at the hands of our oppressors, that Lord, you love us enough to step down into our situations and at times even take us out of those situations that we find ourselves in. Thank you, Lord. Help us to know the right way to go. Help us just to have confidence and trust in you that you indeed are care about us and will act on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. 